This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. Hope you all had a very nice Christmas for those who celebrate, and happy holidays to you. This is episode 205, entitled, Understanding Nicodemus's Misunderstanding in John chapter 3. Last week, we introduced the theme of misunderstanding in the Gospel of John. As you will recall, the theme of misunderstanding, which is pervasive in the narrative of the Gospel of John, appears like this. First, Jesus makes an ambiguous statement. Second, the conversation partner misunderstands what Jesus said, either by interpreting it literally or by asking an inappropriate question. Third, either Jesus or the narrating author explains what the statement is supposed to mean, although sometimes this explanation is missing, but it's clearly implied with the irony. This week's episode will explore one instance of the theme of misunderstanding, the one that appears in John chapter 3, involving the dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus, whom Jesus himself describes as a teacher. In doing so, we will look at what it means to be born again, and if born again is actually the best translation of what Jesus meant. We will place the words of Nicodemus into the outline of the theme of misunderstanding. We will figure out where he misheard Jesus and what Jesus actually meant. After coming to grasp Jesus' true meaning, we will look later into the conversation to see what a correct comprehension of the theme of misunderstanding might help illumine the difficult passage of John 3.13, a passage which seems to suggest that Jesus pre-existed in heaven. What did Nicodemus misunderstand, and how can correctly understanding Jesus help clarify his own identity and origin? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is Nicodemus and the New Birth. So I'll be reading out of John chapter 3, and we'll start by reading the first seven verses. Now there is a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, 
he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. That's John chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And so in this passage, Jesus talks about being born again. And that's a common phrase in evangelical Christianity, and it's used basically as a synonym for Christian conversion. People will talk about the fact that they have been born again, meaning that they have become Christians, they have converted. But we need to talk about this word again. In Greek, the word again in this phrase, born again, that we see in John 3, 3 and John 3, verse 7, the word again is the Greek adverb anothen. And anothen, and it's very important that we understand this concept, anothen as a Greek adverb has both a spatial meaning and a temporal meaning. What do I mean by that? Well, the temporal meaning of anothen does mean again, as in a second time. You must be born again. You must be born a second time. However, anothen, the Greek adverb, also has a spatial meaning, meaning from above. You must be born from above. And it seems as if both of these meanings were intended with Jesus' statement. And so if you have a good English translation of the Bible, it will either say, you must be born again, and it will have a footnote saying, or the Greek could be translated, born from above, or your translation might say, you must be born from above, and then your footnote will say, or it could be translated, born again. It's very, very important for you in understanding this passage to know that the phrase, born again, also has the meaning of born from above. It carries both of those meanings, both the spatial meaning from above and the temporal meaning again. That is crucially important because not understanding that helps us to identify where Nicodemus took the wrong turn in his attempts to understand Jesus and thereby he misunderstood it. So let's actually take what Nicodemus said, and place it into the framework of the theme of misunderstanding so that we can try to make sense of what Jesus wants us as the readers of the Gospel of John to correctly come away with as we interpret this passage. This moves us to our second point. Point number two, examining the passage in light of the narrative theme of misunderstanding. So we'll take the three points of the theme of misunderstanding, and we will see how the verses point these things out. These things should be pretty apparent to you as an astute listener and reader of Scripture, but I will make sure that we are all very clear and sharp on these crucial points. So first, Jesus makes an ambiguous statement. We can see this in verses uh, 2 through 3. In response to Nicodemus saying that no one can do these signs unless God is with him, Jesus said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless one is born again or born from above. That's very interesting there that Jesus responds in the Greek in a very similar way to what Nicodemus had said. 
Nicodemus said, no one can do these signs unless God is with him. Jesus responds, no one can see the kingdom of God unless one is born from above. So the way that Jesus talks is actually in response to Nicodemus there. But Jesus makes an ambiguous statement that no one can see the kingdom of God unless that one is born from above. Born from above slash born again. The second characteristic of the theme of misunderstanding is that the conversation partner misunderstands it, either by interpreting it literally or asking an inappropriate question. So we can see in verse 4, Nicodemus said to Jesus, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? So Nicodemus understands this birth as the second birth. You can't enter a second time. But Nicodemus understands the birth that Jesus is describing purely in fleshly terms. Entering into the mother's womb and being born again. A physical birth is what Nicodemus is thinking about. But he does think of it as a second birth, being born a second time. It specifically says that in verse 4. So, of course, Nicodemus interprets Jesus literally to the point of absurdity. Clearly, no rational person would interpret Jesus in that way. But it's important to note that the way that Nicodemus interpreted it was the stance of being born a second time. The third part of the theme of misunderstanding is that Jesus or the author explains the statement. So we can see in verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now we need to talk about this response that Jesus gives here. He says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom. So it's important to note that Jesus is not talking about baptisms here when he talks about being born of water and the Spirit. He's talking about a new birth, a birth from above. Now some interpreters think that Jesus is describing two different births here by saying born of water and the Spirit. Perhaps a water birth referring to the physical birth involving motherly fluids and a spiritual birth, a second birth, as the new birth from above. So some people think that the response that Jesus gives in verse 5 is talking about two different births, like a fleshly birth and a spiritual birth. However, the Greek of John 3 verse 5 has water and spirit governed by the same preposition, the preposition ek. So it's more natural to take the phrase as a single reference, born of water and spirit, rather than two different births, born of water and then later born of the spirit. In this particular reading, suggesting that this birth that Jesus is talking about is a single birth comprising water and spirit is actually confirmed with a variety of promises of renewal that we can observe in the Hebrew Bible with many of the prophets. One that comes to mind is Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36 verses 25 through 27. He says, bearing the words of God, that 
I will sprinkle clean water upon you. I will put my spirit within you. That's Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27. So there, the time of restoration, the time of covenant renewal, will involve God sprinkling clean water and putting his spirit within them. That there is two different images that are describing the same time of renewal, water and spirit. We can also see this in Isaiah. Second Isaiah speaks of a time of renewal in terms of water and spirit in chapter 44, verse 3, where God says, I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring. Isaiah 44, verse 3, where again we see in this time of renewal, God is going to pour out water and pour out his spirit. There's also another passage in Joel chapter 2 that also speaks of the time of renewal involving God pouring out water and pouring out the spirit to refer to a single instance. The point is that Jesus is not likely speaking of fleshly birth. He's talking about a new birth, which is a birth from above, since the Spirit comes from God above. And since this new birth has both a spatial meaning, born from above, and a temporal meaning, born again, it seems that the spatial meaning is actually the primary meaning intended by Jesus. The act that this birth has to be a birth from above. So if the misunderstanding stated by Nicodemus was, quote, he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Then Jesus' primary clarification cannot be about a second birth, it has to be about a birth from above. In other words, if Nicodemus's misunderstanding was thinking that you need to be born a second time, then Jesus' clarification and intended meaning cannot be that you need to be born again a second time. It has to at least primarily refer to the new birth from above. And this is why I think that a better translation of the phrase in John 3.3 3 is that you must be born from above, not born again. And this makes an interesting point because most Christians interpret Jesus as talking about being born again. That is, being born a second time, albeit, admittedly, spiritually through conversion. But... If we are not reading what Jesus said as at least including a reference to being born from above, then we are making the same misunderstanding that Nicodemus made. And the theme of misunderstanding in the Gospel of John is to help us side with Jesus, not with Nicodemus. This is why I think that Jesus primarily intended to say that we must be born from above which, of course, is a new birth, a spiritual birth. But primarily, the intended reference is a new birth from above. 
So let's move to our third and final point, which is thinking about the birth from above and the heavenly things in John 3.13. So since Jesus arguably is talking about the birth from above, which happens to be a second birth, then we should explore how this theme of from above is advanced in Jesus' argument on into the difficult passage of John 3.13. So let's work through the following verses where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus to see how this theme of the birth from above is actually unpacked. So in verse 6 of John 3, Jesus says, That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So flesh here denotes the natural birth. And it's important to note that this has already been stated in John's Gospel in John 1.14 because the Logos became flesh. God's creative and powerful utterance became embodied into the human Jesus as flesh. And that which is flesh has been born. So the word becoming flesh refers to the birth of Jesus. On the other hand, that which is born of spirit is the birth from above. Why? Because the Spirit of God comes from God, and that comes from above. So we have the earthly birth, and we have the heavenly birth, the birth from above, the birth that comes from the Spirit. That which is born of the Spirit is certainly born from above. Verse 7, Jesus says, Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. That is, it is necessary that you must be born from above, namely born of the Spirit that is given by God. Verse 8, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. But Jesus again is speaking about those who are born of the Spirit. They listen to the sound of it, they know that it's there. They're not able to control it, but they actually are able to hear it. And Jesus is drawing on this illustration from the wind that blows. That is something that people naturally can perceive and understand. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, how can these things be? Now, I take this response as Nicodemus being portrayed as a disciple who wants to know and he wants to learn. However, Nicodemus isn't quite there yet in his understanding. Now, in the narrative of the Gospel of John, Nicodemus appears two more times. And each time that Nicodemus appears, he bears a little bit more understanding. So he'll appear again with a little bit more understanding from where he is in this conversation in chapter 3. And then when he appears a third time, he'll have a little bit more understanding. This indicates to me that Nicodemus is being portrayed in the narrative of the Gospel of John as a follower or a disciple of Jesus who is growing and maturing throughout the narrative, but where he is in John chapter 3 is not quite where the narrator would like the reader to be. Nicodemus has a little bit further to go. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Verse 11, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. So Jesus is now speaking on behalf of his community. You've probably noticed the plural references there. We speak what we know, and we testify of what we have seen. So Jesus, as one person, is now speaking on behalf of his community. What community is that? Well, the community behind the writing of the Gospel of John, which is called by scholars the Johannine community. Now, when Jesus says, you, in verse 11, you do not accept our testimony, that you, which is bound up in the verb, is actually second person plural. You all do not accept our testimony. Or if you are a Southerner, y'all do not accept our testimony. This suggests that Nicodemus is also a representative figure for those who are just like him. So the plural pronouns in verse 11 are important to consider when we are trying to interpret this passage. Jesus goes on in verse 12, If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now, the contrast is again given. We have earthly things, which are the easier and more discernible topics, and the heavenly things, which are the topics requiring insight from God, topics surrounding the Spirit from God, and topics that are discernible for those who have been born from above, who have received this new heavenly birth. Now, Jesus is about to speak about one of these heavenly topics in the very next verse in John 3.13, which is his identity as the Son of Man and the Son of Man's origins. So in John 3.13, Jesus says, No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So there's a lot to unpack about this particular passage, but luckily for us, we have been given some new insight because Jesus has been stressing the fact that there is a birth from above, a birth involving the Spirit, and that Spirit that comes from God, and Jesus is the authorized figure who can teach and communicate these things to interested listeners. So in 3.13, where it says that no one has ascended into heaven, it's important to note that those who do ascend to heaven are those who go up to gain a heavenly understanding, various insights, and particularly revelations from God. Ascending to heaven is what a select few prophets claim to do. And Jesus is actually saying here that no one is actually the authorized revealer of these heavenly things. No one has actually ascended into heaven to understand and grasp these revelatory heavenly insights except he who is the Son of Man, Jesus himself. And the Son of Man is the human being from Daniel chapter 7, specifically the human being who is empowered by the one true God. So we have a few things that we need to talk about in regard to John 3.13. First one is the Son of Man. Who is the Son of Man? Well, the Son of Man is a human being. He is a member of the human race. 
And in Daniel chapter 7, the Son of Man is empowered by the Ancient of Days to bear God's own dominion, God's own glory, and God's own kingdom. You can read about that in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. That is crucially important for understanding the meaning of Son of Man. It's not just that Jesus is a human being. He's a human being who is empowered by the Ancient of Days to bear these prerogatives, privileges, and authority. So, by Jesus claiming to be the Son of Man, he is actually distinguishing himself from the Ancient of Days. The Son of Man is not the embodiment of the Ancient of Days. The Son of Man is distinguished from the Ancient of Days. While at the same time, Jesus is claiming to be a human being bearing these rightly given privileges and authority given by the one true God. The second thing we need to note is that this human being from heaven recalls John 1.14. So the Son of Man who descended from heaven is indicating that Jesus bears revelatory heavenly things in order to share with others precisely as an authorized human agent of the one true God. Readers of the Gospel of John should actually listen to Jesus. Why should they listen to Jesus? Because he really was commissioned from God. Jesus isn't a false prophet lying about God commissioning him. He really is the authorized human being, the Son of Man. Furthermore, the humanity of Jesus has already been established and interpreted in the Gospel of John. In the prologue of John, John chapter 1, verse 14, says that the Logos became flesh and tabernacled among us, making Jesus the new tabernacling presence. We saw last week, in last week's episode, that Jesus claimed to be the new temple in John 2, 19 and following. But we need to think through what it means to be the Logos that has now become flesh. In our current passage of John chapter 3, Jesus has said, quote, That which is born of flesh is flesh. John 3, verse 6. Referring, of course, to natural human birth. So the flesh in John 1, 14 where the word became flesh, refers to the human birth of Jesus, now as the embodied Logos. And remember, the Logos is God's powerful and personified speech and utterance. It's God's speech and utterance. And Jesus is the embodiment of God's speech as the authorized revealer of heavenly things. As a human being, Jesus is bears in him the words of God as the authorized speaker and revealer of these heavenly things. Now the Logos, remember the speech and the utterance of God, was, according to John 1.1, in the beginning with God. Where was God? Well, God was in heaven. So Logos was up there in heaven. The speech slash utterance of God came down from heaven and is now embodied in the human Jesus. The human Jesus that was born in John 1.14. That's where Jesus was born. That's where Jesus came into existence. 
So, and this is really important for my listeners to really think about, it is not inaccurate to say that the human Jesus has a heavenly origin because the Logos came down from heaven. If the Logos actually came down from heaven and is now embodied in the human Jesus that was born as a member of the human race, then you could say, in a sense, that he has a heavenly origin. Along the same lines, John 3, verse 13, says that the human being, the Son of Man, has descended from heaven to reveal heavenly things. Like the birth from above is defined by the Spirit that is from God. Now, problems of interpretation arise when we read into these statements from John 1.14 and John 3.13 more than what was intended, which tend to diminish the humanity of Jesus and redefine the Logos of God from a personification of God's speech into an actual person. That redefinition is completely uncalled for. Now, we also need to talk about the heavenly thing that the incomplete disciple Nicodemus and those whom he represents is to grasp according to the author of the Gospel of John. Remember in John 3.12, Jesus says, If I tell you earthly things and you don't understand, how are you going to understand if I reveal to you these heavenly things? Now, Nicodemus understands Jesus simply as a teacher, as a rabbi, a teacher that has been authorized by God. Nicodemus said this in John 3, verse 2. While this is true, it's a true statement, it actually suggests that, from the perspective of Nicodemus, Jesus is just one teacher among many whom God approves. But Jesus is not just one authorized teacher among many. Jesus, according to himself, is the Son of Man. Jesus is the authorized human revealer of the heavenly things because he is the embodiment of God's word. He is the embodiment of God's speech, God's utterance. And God himself has invested Jesus, this human son of man, with God's own dominion, God's own glory, and a kingdom. And if Nicodemus wants to enter the kingdom of God that the Son of Man brings on behalf of the only true God, Nicodemus must be born from above. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Please join us next week as we continue to look at the theme of misunderstanding in the Gospel of John by looking into John chapter 4, where we have a dialogue between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. What will that dialogue tell us about Jesus and his identity? Please look forward to our next episode. If you enjoyed the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, please consider supporting us as we aim to promote the important, crucial truths about the unity and the oneness of God and the true humanity of Jesus. If you'd like to offer a donation, you may check us out. We have a link to PayPal where you can make a donation or a tip. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, you folks, please take care and happy holidays.